Hi, you're listening to the Channel Futures Podcast. I'm your host, T.C. Doyle. Hey, two interviews this week. First up, we've got Avant Communications co-CEO Drew Leidecker. Drew's a friend, and we're talking a lot of things. In particular, we're talking the rise of SD-WAN, UCAS, but we start off with Oracle's acquisition of Tolari. Drew's got a lot of things to say, and he casts his eyes forward to 2019. Good interview. You're going to want to hear it. From Avant Communications in Chicago, we move a little south to Worldwide Technology Group in St. Louis. It's a multi-billion dollar solutions provider that does business throughout the United States and beyond. In this interview, we catch up with Neil Anderson. He's a practice manager that focuses on mobility, networks, wireless access, and beyond. In this interview, he talks about uh, the playground at Worldwide Technology. No, it's not the daycare center, but instead, it's the Advanced Technology Center. In this center, Worldwide Technology demonstrates the latest innovations of a variety of vendors in a multitude of combinations that, frankly, you just couldn't put together at any one customer's site. He also shares his insights on what you do as a technology professional when someone saunters up to you at a holiday party and says, hey, fella, what do you do for a living? As always, we got a lot packed into this edition of the Channel Futures podcast, and whether you're a guy or a gal, whether you're in technology or sales, there's something in here for you. Hope you enjoy. First up, it's Drew Leidecker, the co-CEO of Avant Communications. We have a wide-ranging conversation. We start with Oracle's recent acquisition of Tolari. Why don't we start with um, the Oracle deal? Uh, give us a window into how this impacts the market and, and your company in particular. Well, I mean, you know, for, for us in particular, you know, we couldn't be more happy for Tolari uh, and everyone that works for Tolari and, you know, what they've built, they should feel uh, tremendously accomplished. Um, you know, to have Oracle uh, come in and buy Tolari, uh, it means a lot. It means a lot for so many different reasons. One, it just continues to validate the movement in the market today around SD-WAN and how disruptive that technology is, uh, I think, quite frankly, uh, this will accelerate it. Uh, I know the statistics in 2018 are around $2 billion. I think by 2021, they're predicting maybe $8 billion market. I can't help but think this does not put even more wind in the sails of the SD-WAN movement, uh, you know, even greater. Uh, you know, mostly because when you have now Oracle, VM, and Cisco all acquiring very small, uh, nimble, laser-focused disruptors, um, you know, any of the people that are maybe sitting on the sidelines waiting for it are probably going to get into the dance a little bit quicker. So, you know, Oracle buying Solari is a validation that not only SD-WAN's here to stay, uh, it's going to be a massive disruption in the market today. Well, when you talk about those other players also getting into the market, it accelerates technology development. So I think the waves of innovation will crash uh, on the shores a little more soon and more quickly and more repetitively. Deep pockets, big market growth. I think you're right. Uh, would you call SD-WAN the breakout star of 2018? You know, I'm hesitant to say that. And, and, and I'll tell you why. I, you know, um, Let's listen. In 2017, that market, as a whole, collectively, depending on who you talk to, 
was probably only north of about maybe $200 million. Um, so, and that's collectively across all the companies, right? I mean, Cisco bought Viptela. I think Viptela was under 25 million in revenue. Um, they bought them for close to what, 650 million. Uh, you know, you, you look at even Tulare, who's been around for a long time. They weren't a massive company. They were still a scrappy, uh, you know, laser focused company building incredible intellectual property uh, and building a great, you know, product, but they didn't necessarily have the resources nor the scale that an Oracle would, right? So I think it's still in its infancy. I would say that as a buzzword, it definitely would be the champion. But in terms of technology, I would have to say UCAT, CCAT uh, has to continue to be, uh, you know, the, the, the thing that the product in the, in the industry right now that is just nuclear hot. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when you're going to go to that technology. Right, right. And you've certainly got a good deep portfolio there. Talk about the growth of some of your key players. Oh. It's across the board. Uh, you know, th th this market is like really nothing we've ever seen. Uh, you know, we're just about knocking on the door of about 450,000 handsets in the last uh, handful of years, uh, which is just incredible to see. Um, what's incredible about this particular vertical is, you know, very much in our early days started in the SMB. Uh, it's a, it's an, a, it's a phenomenal SMB product, right? Because, you know, it takes a lot of the heavy lifting that traditional telephony always gave companies. So SMB embraced it so tremendously. And you saw that with the rings and the eight by eights in their early days, that was the majority of their customer base. And then quickly moved into mid-market for companies that realized that they could integrate, you know, applications that were vital that didn't necessarily live inside of their four walls. Uh, they lived somewhere else, but they wanted the integration. They wanted to make things like Salesforce dance. Uh, UCAS became that answer, regardless if it was cheaper or not, it became an answer to those enterprises that were looking to integrate, right. you know, because it's an API economy right now. It's an absolute API economy. But right now, the wave of the largest companies on the planet moving to this technology, we have right now currently in the in the works probably seven or eight deals over 25,000 seats. We have over two deals wow. over 100,000 seats. Uh, that are on the table right now that are looking to come into a close. So it's tremendous, the uh, momentum, but also to see some of the biggest names in business uh, are moving to it. All right, let's shift gears to another key technology that you guys have made some investments in, and that's security. You've brought in some new players, you've got some new relationships, uh, and you're kind of you know scoping out a little bit more your deliverables. Talk about how your company is you know repositioning itself to make the most of security and protect uh, not only partners but their customers alike. And then, how big do you think that's going to be a part of your portfolio? Oh, you know. It's one of the things that I love to talk about the most uh, is cybersecurity. And, and I say it for a few reasons. I know you and I have talked about this at length at, at, at times, but you know, there, there really is right now, in my opinion, what I call the rebellion against the incumbent. And what I mean by that is the traditional very large companies today that have ruled the security world are becoming less and less powerful in the industry. IT organizations are looking for those laser-focused, highly nimble, uh, strategic security providers to do things that IT staff cannot do on their own. And quite frankly, you know, the whole industry right now is suffering from a lack of talent in the security pool. For instance, if you're a large company and you're a CISO, it's extremely difficult to go out and get incredible cybersecurity talent that has experience. 
they're all going to these uh, highly disruptive security firms, companies like, for instance, Trustwave, who we have uh, brought on and, and added to the channel for the first time in history. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, we've never quite seen any of our providers, including the UCAS, CCAS, uh, build a funnel and build opportunities so fast uh, as we have with Trustwave, who, who clearly does things that IT staffs cannot do on their own with over 200 white hat hackers, 200 black hat hackers, with you know 11 uh, socks around the world, it's impossible for even the largest companies to do what they're doing. So they're an incredible supplement uh, for IT staff out there. We just brought on Alert Logic, one of the top names in the industry. Uh, again, this is a product, in my opinion, every single company on the planet could use. Uh, you cannot have enough security. And when you are bringing on providers that are traditional MSSPs that are doing things that other IT organizations can't do, you're going to be out of the headlines. You're not going to be the Facebook of the 2014 Russian hack that's now getting leaked, which could be detrimental to a firm like that. All right. Talk a little bit about that MSSP marketplace. Do you think that is got legs? Do you think it's, uh, some people think it's a phenomenon that is going to be short-lived and that all MSPs are going to have to have robust security capabilities going forward? No, I, I think this thing has got legs like no other. I mean, listen, here's the deal. Most companies go out there, they get budget for security. They go out and buy amazing Palo Alto gear. They go out and buy all of this incredible technology from a CapEx perspective. But it's almost impossible, no matter how big you are of a company, to take advantage of every feature functionality, to manage it, to watch it 24 by 7, to follow the sun, to have subject matter experts when a breach is you know, noticed or some type of an issue is noticed, to have somebody who has seen it time and time again. You know, the MSSPs out there right now are seeing it every second of every day. They're able to take advantage of the equipment and the CapEx and the capital that you've put into that equipment. And then they're able to become that true extension of your staff with capabilities that, quite frankly, very, very, very few firms on the planet have. Uh, they're also attracting all of the talent. So the best of the best want to work for these security firms because that's where the action is. That's where they're seeing what is taking place, which, by the way, is not slowing down. Uh, you know, whether it's state-sponsored inside threats, whether it's outside threats, whether it's people trying to take your intellectual property, it's becoming larger and larger. And the more we find out, the opportunities are becoming very, very big. Yeah. And it's becoming more important for smaller businesses uh, that are, you know, obviously being served by your customers. 2018, we didn't see as many big name breaches. There was no Equifax or Target or anything, but we heard a lot more of uh, small companies being impacted. Um, touch on that a little bit and how important it is for, you know, MSSPs and MSPs to target uh, customers of all size to protect them. Uh, you know, it's, it's such a great question. And I was, I was giving a CIO event uh, speech on cybersecurity for one of our uh, trusted advisors. Um, and we had about, I don't know, somewhere close to about 70 CIOs. We do a lot of CIO and CISO events for our customers where uh, I come in, I'll do a, a little bit of a presentation as to where the market is from a cybersecurity, and then we'll bring on some subject matter experts from a panel perspective. And it was, it was really interesting. I had, I don't know, a good 20 or 30 uh, people come up to me afterwards just asking about different things around cybersecurity uh, and where the market was going. And I had this one gentleman who came up to me and said, listen, you know, 
I, I loved everything you said, and I totally am on board. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a steel mill. Uh, I, I make steel products. I'm a single IT guy. I have about 500 locations, uh, about, uh, or excuse me, 500 employees, about four locations. And, you know, I, I've invested in some Palo Alto, invested in some, you know, some equipment, but I think I'm good. You know, I, I mean, would, would you agree with me? Right, and I said, right. I, I, I could not agree with you less. I said, first off, you're in the steel industry. Your intellectual property, how you weigh, how you bend, how you make, is countries like China's number one goal to figure out what you're doing. Even though you think you're small, that intellectual property that you have is worth so much money. And everybody is looking to take it from you. So when people have the perspective that they're not a threat, they're the easiest prey out there. And if you've made the investment in great technology, having a trust wave, for instance, get your back, be that service that is monitoring those devices that are looking for abnormalities, that are doing threat hunting, uh, those are the ones that are going to keep you from being in the paper. And, you know, when companies now, even the small ones, you, so, you, you brought it up, the small to medium-sized businesses, this could be career-ending, this could be business-ending, you know, in, in terms of what could potentially happen uh, with a threat. And that's not a scare tactic. That's just reality. Um, as somebody who's very astute when it comes to preparing these guys to the market, how should they be presenting themselves when it comes to selling security? Because as you point out, you know, selling fear, it's not working the way it once did. Uh, and so what do you say, no. you know, you, you walk through it, but how, how do you guys advise the MSPs that are buying from you? Okay. So I, I think I'll answer it in two ways. So how we advise the trusted advisor community, uh, because a big part of what Avant does is we've trained the traditional trusted advisors, whether right. you've been selling carrier services your whole life, data centers, cloud, whatever the case may be. When you get into cybersecurity, one of the biggest obstacles that you'll hear from any IT staff is this. Listen, I don't care if you're small, medium, or large. Generally, the only way you get dollars allocated to you for security is because of compliance. And that's a fact. Compliance drives the dollars. So what I'm very much educating the trusted advisor community is, you know, to bring in some of these MSSPs to do things like threat hunting. And threat hunting can be a very inexpensive way to get some of these subject matter experts into a firm and then point out all the holes, point out all the things that could be going wrong or that are going wrong. Uh, from there, dollars are then allocated to be able to take care of that. IT staffs love it because they're able to go to the board, they're able to go to the executive committee and say, this is what I was talking about could happen, it's happening, and we need to invest in a relationship like this. Um, from an MSSP perspective, what I'm trying to do is teach the MSSPs how to talk to the trusted advisors. And this is the one thing about cybersecurity is that most of the trusted advisors, most of anybody, they're just afraid to bring it up because it seems super complex. But what people need to understand is it's really not as complex. Yes, the technology is very complex. Yes, the management of it is. But the conversation with IT staff is not. I've never seen and, you know, I, I love this. We'll, we'll do numerous CISO events and we'll see 40 or 50 CISOs show up for an event because they're absolutely desperate to hear about companies they've never, ever heard of in their life. And that's what they want right now. They want those nimble, strategic, laser-focused firms. And the trusted advisor is one of the few people on the planet that has the ability to bring it to them. Okay. Um 
Talk about next year. Let's let's look ahead. Uh, a lot of people have been talking up uh, other technologies, um, AI, IoT, and what have you. Do you think any of these emerging technologies are going to have a breakout year? Or do you still think we're a ways away? Yeah, well, I think in regards to AI, I mean, you know, I think AI is going to continue to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger as, you know, the, the cost of it continue to keep coming down. Um, you know, we are uh, personally as a firm uh, embracing AI. It's in all of our technology now. Our battle app is utilizing AI technology and machine-based learning, uh, and it's been a tremendous asset for us, and it's really revolutionized our tool. Um, I think in the business, it's going to become bigger. I think you'll see AI more in the in the CCAS space and the uh, in the UCAS space, but I think it's still relatively infancy, especially for the trusted advisor community. I don't think there's a ton around it yet. I think the Internet of Things is going to continue to keep getting bigger, and you know uh, where where it's going to get bigger is around cybersecurity. You know, moving people yeah. closer to the edge is going to be a huge trend next year. Companies like Flex Central, companies like Sixterra, companies like Tierpoint. You know, all of these firms that have 40, 50 data centers, sometimes in, you know, tier two cities and tier one cities and tier three cities, I think there'll be a trend for the trusted advisor to start to move equipment and applications closer to the edge, closer to people as IoT expands. I don't know how big it will be next year. I think the year after that, it's going to be huge. Okay. What about blockchain? You guys playing around with that at all? Not really. Uh, you know, <laughs> we... Uh, I think we, we chased a couple dozen, uh, you know, of the uh, of the mining facilities, which was, you know, kind of a waste of time. Uh, you know, I think we learned early on uh, when we started the firm, we were very, very, very heavily involved in high frequency trading uh, and creating the low latency circuits around the world, metro and long haul. Um, and that business, you know, quickly dried up. So we're, 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 we're cautiously just watching. There's nothing really that we're focusing on yet. Okay, let's look uh, back at the year that was. What are you most proud of? What do you think was the company's biggest uh, accomplishment and uh, uh, and surprise the, to you throughout the year? You know, I think what I'm, I'm always most proud about is, you know, our employees. Um, you know, we doubled the size of our back office again. Uh, we continue to keep adding uh, employees. As a matter of fact, I'm heading to meet the mayor of Chicago today to get on stage with a couple other tech firms as we're uh, being recognized as one of the uh, tech firms hiring the most people this coming year. We hired a, over 40 last year. Um, we plan on doing at least that uh, this coming year. And these are just not normal people. They're highly educated. They're born in the cloud folks. I think it's, it's really our culture. I think I've told you time and time again, the thing that we pride ourselves the most you know, we've had virtually zero turnover since we uh, built this company. Yeah. Uh, cast your eyes forward as we start to wrap up and look ahead. Uh, what's next to Revant in 2019? Well, I think it's uh, we're going to be opening our Texas Battle Lab, which we could not be more excited about. Uh, we're opening it in the Frisco area, which is probably one of the hottest uh, business districts in the country right now. Uh, it'll be a full immersion center for our, our trusted advisors to bring their clients into, uh, to have executive briefing centers in there, to have the ability to try out all of the clouds, all of the UC, all of the CCAS. We've built that here in Chicago. It's been an unbelievable success, so we couldn't be more excited to be building uh, a mega uh, facility in, uh, in Texas. 
Uh, we're going to continue to keep investing. Uh, we're going to continue to keep hiring. We just uh, doubled the size of our team in London. I'll be heading out there on Friday, so Europe is going extremely well. So it's just going to be continue to invest to take advantage of the tsunami that things like SD-WAN, Managed IaaS, Cybersecurity, CCAS, UCAS, all next-gen technology is going to give us. That's fantastic. That really is. Uh, is the plan to take the Dallas concept and replicate it around the country, you know, Miami, San Francisco, other places, New York, perhaps? Um, is, is that on the books? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, yeah. absolutely. It's uh, fully roadmapped out. Uh, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, we're interested in doing. And, it's and, and, you know, the success that we've had in the Chicago Battle Lab, uh, we have close to almost 100% close ratio when customers are coming into our Battle Lab. Uh, the trusted advisors are bringing them in almost on a daily basis. Uh, we look to replicate that in Texas. Once we have the success there, we'll look to replicate it across the country. <clears throat> you know, listen, we're all taking advantage of this unbelievable movement right now. It's just the golden era of the trusted advisors. So with your support and with what we're doing, I think we can change a lot of things. So thank you. From Avant Communications in Chicago, let's move on to Worldwide Technologies in St. Louis. In particular, here we hear from Neil Anderson, who talks about the company's robust Advanced Technology Center for Customers. So we invite our customers to come in and into the playground with us and experience the things that they're trying to uh, figure out technology-wise, right? And so we think it's very expensive if a customer has to try to, to build these things out in their own environments. How do, you, how do you build out this kind of a capability where you can literally be looking at a dozen or more OEMs um, to evaluate what, uh, you know, a, a, even a single technology. So we have built it here and we invite those customers to come and experience the technology here. And our, our goal with that is really to help customers make a smarter and faster decision on the technology and then be able to consume it, um, you know, at, at scale. And so it's been a real asset for us um, you know, we have the branding around RATC of being Silicon Valley in St. Louis, which is kind of a, uh, a way to describe we've got all these different companies that you would typically have to visit hundreds of locations in Silicon Valley to, to you know, uh, vendor by vendor, but we've got them all here. They're already set up. Customers can get access to them very, very rapidly and be able to um, dive into really fo focusing on what is it I'm trying to do with the technology and which technologies are best suited to uh, solve my business problem. That's very cool. I, I very much like it. All right, another question for you. You were at Cisco for 13 years, and then you went to uh, Worldwide Technology, where you've been for the last four years. Talk a little bit about the differences <clears throat> being on the inside of a vendor uh, developing products and helping customers with solution, and then being at a solution provider that's one step closer to the reality of really working with some top customers and their day-to-day -day problems, challenges, and business objectives. It's a great question. I, you know, when I was at Cisco, um, my role there was doing solution development, and so what that meant was being able to take these different products that were coming out of different engineering business units at Cisco, trying to put them into an architecture and understanding and documenting the best practices about how those products were best put, uh, you know, put together in that architecture, how they performed, how would you 
what was the best way to uh, configure those products for to solve different customer challenges, and then we would publish those. Um, and, and the reality is it was quite complex. Um, without things like SDN and automation, and, and, and you're just doing command line, we made a, you know, for many years, our team had to help to describe how do you do this complex configuration through the CLI, and some of these were, you know, 300-page documents about how to actually put a solution together. Um, wow. At, 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 a, at, a, at a point, <laughs> yeah, and we had many of those. At a point, it became apparent to me that with simplicity and orchestration, we were kind of solving the wrong problem. We were continuing to prop up the dependence on CLI, and which is why I elected to join Worldwide, where I saw that Worldwide was, was focused on you know, the next generation of that. How do we take programmability and programmable infrastructure and help customers consume that a lot more easily with automation and put automation on top of that? Um, and so it was a, and the other dimension of that, quite frankly, is it, it also freed me a little bit to look at a broader set of OEMs, which was not, uh, wasn't my job at Cisco, right? My job at Cisco was obviously to sell Cisco stacks. Um, so it allowed me to open up a little bit and look at other technologies out there that were either Cisco competitors or, or adjacent complementary technologies and really address customer challenges a bit better. Um, it was a little bit hard to, to do that at Cisco. It was a lot easier at WWT to really kind yeah. of open that up and, and look at those adjacent technologies together. All right, last question. Is somebody in networking, you're going to find yourself this holiday season at a cocktail party and somebody's going to saunter up and say, uh, so fellow, what do you do? And you'll explain, well, I work for Worldwide Technology and I'm all about networking. And they're going to look at you and they're going to say, hey, can you answer me a question? Why the hell is networking so goddamn complicated? What is your response when you get cornered like that? <laughs> well, that's a great question. I would say I, my answer would probably be, you know, it, it definitely has been very complicated. And the reason for that is if you look at the explosion of the Internet and um connectivity of, of companies, everything is done digitally now. And that's a very, if you think about the, the billions of devices and the billions of people behind those devices that are now interacting um, on everything from Facebook to, uh, you know, Amazon, you know, pick a, pick a site, it takes a, a tremendous network behind that to enable all those billions of transactions and billions of, of, of people and devices being connected. To do that at global scale is very complex, and but that would follow that up with, but it's getting easier. Where we've learned from the past and learned that the path we were on uh, was not going to scale for where this ultimately needs to go, and so things like software defined, being able to program the network in a different way, are what's going to make it uh, networks less complex in the future. Simplified networking in the future. Hey. Bring it on. We'd all would love to see it. Well, that's all we have for this episode of the Channel Futures Podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on an upcoming episode or have a comment, drop me a line at tc.doyle at knect365.com. Knect365 is, of course, the division here at Informa that publishes Channel Futures and our friends at Channel Partners. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes or check us out on SoundCloud. And as always... Thanks for tuning in.